This is Franchise Today, brought to you by FRM Solutions, providers of the best-in-class software solutions for franchise relationship management. Franchise Today is your destination for weekly information, conversations, and interviews with accomplished industry leaders, all of whom share best practices for sustainable growth and sensible franchising. Here now, your host, Stan Friedman, to kick off this week's podcast with the Solink Front of the House. And this is Franchise Today on Wednesday, July 24th. And I hope you're all having a great summer. Can you believe that we're just about at the halfway mark? I don't know where this summer has gone. And it's been a great month of interviews here during the month of July on Franchise Today. We kicked it off this month on the 3rd with an incredible interview with Firehouse Subs uh, CEO and, and just all time. I mean, we've had some talent from Don Fox, CEO at Firehouse, uh, to Briggs Sorber, one of the original two men in a truck, one of the brothers that started it all, who today is their chief brand officer and chief executive. And then Angela Cote up in Canada, who many people in the U.S. may not be familiar with the family that her family is, but they are the founders of about a 500 unit meat company called M&M Meats. And so she grew up as a member of a franchise family, second generation, and literally uh, has taken every point of view on a compass that one can look at for franchising and ultimately now has settled into an incredible career uh, guiding and counseling emerging franchisors as they bring their businesses to market. So some people may say the dog days of summer, but no dog days going on here as we continue to press forward with another month ahead before we get back to the fourth quarter when everything starts firing up again with conferences and expos and a lot of travel. But no slowdown for us here at Franchise Today, where today we're going to have an incredible conversation with a a person who has a great brand behind him, a guy named Chris Atkins is here today, who is the Vice President of Franchise and Business Development for the UPS Stores. And UPS Stores has come forth with what I think is one of the greatest ideas and and initiatives to help support returning veterans and U.S. veterans into getting into business for themselves with the UPS Store. And Chris is going to tell us all about that and a whole lot more as we unpack this initiative and all the great things that are going on at the UPS Store these days. Chris, welcome to Franchise Today. Hey, Stan. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to this conversation. Well, it's a pleasure having you. And, you know, you are a rare breed, my friend, because I don't know too many people who are lifers at any brand, but you've made a career of UPS. And I always ask our guests how they in franchising found one another, because as as we all know, that unless you are one of those second generation uh, people that have been around the franchise business from birth, very few of us aspire to franchising. We don't go to college planning for a career in franchising. Some life event kind of catches up with us and something changes our life and franchising enters into the mix. You're a lifer, but you didn't plan for that either, did you? I mean, UPS was really what you were all about. Tell us about those early days and what brought you and Brown together. I spent my first year at college at the University of Wyoming and, uh, as much as I wanted to stay at the University of Wyoming, I'm from Ohio. I fell in love with the outdoors and doing that kind of thing. And I ran out of money, you know, so I had to go home, had to go back to Columbus. And I was raised by parents that you work, 
you pay your own way, you do all that kind of thing. So I had to get a job. So I enrolled at Ohio State and found myself looking for a job. So ran into some guys that said, hey, man, UPS is offering $8 an hour to load trucks. So you'll have the privilege of working in a truck every night. In the summertime, it's 120 degrees inside these trailers, and a supervisor your same age will be screaming at you all night. Sounds like a good deal, doesn't it? So that's what I did. I took a job as a sophomore in college in the Obetz Hub in Columbus, Ohio, loading trailers with every intention of graduating in a few years and and moving on. Uh, So I finished my time at Ohio State. I got promoted to a part-time supervisor. So I got to be one of the folks screaming at at, uh, Teamsters, (laughs) which I liked. And and one thing led to another, and they offered me a full-time job after I graduated from school. And I accepted it. And um, again, not the intention of spending a career there or here, but UPS has been very, very good to me. Had an opportunity to, to move all over the country, lived on the East Coast, Midwest, uh, in the West, and now in San Diego. And has really taken good care of my family, myself, uh, given the opportunity to spend a career with a, just a fabulous company. And um, in 2010... They asked me what I thought of coming over to the UPS store. And it, w- it was funny when they asked me, they're like, look, hey, no harm, no foul. If you don't want this, we understand. We got other things in mind for you as well. And we talked about it. My wife and I talked about it. And it, typically with UPS, you didn't get a choice, right? We were very much like the Marine Corps. This is your job. This is where you go. You do what I say. Um, but they gave me the option and we chose it. And I tell you, those first few years on just learning franchising were challenging for me. Uh, I came from a a background in operations and sales and everybody did things a certain way. You know, the way UPS does things, uh, they do them very well. They're the best in the business. And and that's the way you treated your job. But when I came here, it was like, Hey, figure this out, go do this, go do this, figure out what these franchisees want, what these prospects, how to get some new stores and uh, that was a challenge for me. But I tell you, it's been nothing but rewarding after I got past those first uh, 18, 24 months. Any, any time in your career, have you been to Atlanta? I mean, what UPS looks like here is, in, you know, home base, right? Yeah, many, many times. Obviously, uh, in, in a sales director role at UPS, many times would be in Atlanta. Uh, my first director job was in the Southeast and in North Carolina. So obviously had to go to Atlanta pretty often, even in this job. You know, we've got a, we're a wholly owned subsidiary of UPS. So obviously there's a dotted line report. Everybody at UPS is looking what you're doing here. So um, what we've really been on a mission the last several years is really educating a lot of folks at UPS that don't know enough about this business. We're not just a pack and ship store that's a, to be used by UPS as they see fit. This is a legitimate thriving uh, business where the franchisees are the lifeblood to the franchisor. You know that as well as anyone. Absolutely. So UPS has gone through a lot of transitions over the years, and not the least of which was the name, right? Because not that long ago, the name UPS was Mailbox Etc. here, wasn't it? Yeah, Mailbox Etc. started in 1980. You may remember them started their first store in Carlsbad, California, really as designed as a convenient alternative to the post office, get people out of the lines at the post office and get them into the UPS store or into the MBE. Well, UPS recognized that in 2001, that they really needed a retail presence and they purchased MBE. Um, And I remember being on the UPS side at that time and we're like, 
we're not even paying attention to it. We're sales guys on the UPS side. It's like, okay, we're not sure what that means to us. Um, and in 2003, they rebranded. Um, again, we were called into big meetings at UPS during that time, during the rebranding. This is what's happening. Even still at that time, we didn't realize what the UPS store could mean to our enterprise account customer base. Um, and that some of that challenge still continues today, but uh, I'll tell you the number of enterprise accounts that we do special things for in the store and drive business to the stores that the franchisees don't even have to go seek out. It's just tremendous, Stan. I mean, uh, we're driving just a tremendous amount of revenue into the stores through the relationships we have with UPS and the large enterprise accounts at UPS. I mean, the ecosystem has to be huge. It, I, can't it, even, I can't even imagine a whiteboard that you could put that on. It's enormous. And the FDD, uh, our FDD release this year, the corporate accounts that we work with drive an average of $43,000 per each store every year. Um, oh, in 2018, they did. So that's published in the FDD in our item 19. And that's business the franchisees did not have to go for. We went and negotiated it for them. And sometimes for a large enterprise UPS account, their customers, their only option is to take the return back to the UPS store or take the repair item back to the UPS store. And for that, they're compensated uh, compensated very well. I give high fives to Verizon every time I have to return a phone. And I just walk into the UPS store and they scan my authorized shipping piece. And I don't have to pack it, you know, just hand it off. And my new phone is here and I've gotten the old one gone. And for the sake of convenience, I can't imagine how many different enterprise level relationships like those that you've just described. I mean, that's got to cover a large part of the annual revenue of the existing franchisees. And I'm wondering too, are those franchisees as in my mind's eye, many of those that I've been acquainted with over the years are mom and pop businesses. These are businesses that are operated by their owners. Is that paradigm still true or has that changed too with time as, as the offering has expanded? It's changed a little bit, Stan, but we, we're, we're not like some brands that may have people with two and 300 units. Um, our largest multi-unit owner may own 20 or 25 units. Um, so it's not, uh, not what you see in some of the industries. Um, and that's intentional because we want to, we, we want to sell to our multi-unit owners, but we also want to give that mom and pop that some person who wants to open their own business. We want to give them that opportunity as well. So we could probably incent our multi-unit owners pretty dramatically. We could probably do a lot of things, open up markets for them, direct all the resales to them um, to try to keep it, you know, more, mostly multi-unit owned, but that's not the intent. Uh, the intent is this is a, this is an offering that anybody uh, with the desire and obviously, unfortunately, sometimes the money, um, the wherewithal to open their own business. We want folks to open stores from just diverse backgrounds. I'm talking with Chris Atkins today, who's vice president of franchise and business development for the UPS stores. And we're going to be honing in in a moment or two on their latest program, a mission veteran entrepreneurship program to not only help bring diversity to franchising, but to help ease the, uh, the, the barriers to entry, I guess, would be the best way to describe it for veterans who have done service in the U.S., and he'll be here to tell us, he'll be sharing with us more during this interview, information about how veterans can qualify 
for this program and actually get into a UPS store um, with currency that isn't just, you know, Benjamins, not dollar bills, but with credit towards service done and given to our nation, which is just an incredible initiative that we're going to learn more about here as we unpack and talk about the UPS opportunities. When you talk, though, about diversity, and I'm a I'm a dean of diversity, I'm a proud recipient of an IFA diversity award back in 2011, um, there's nobody who enjoys seeing diversity and franchising come together more than me. So what kind of initiatives or programs or um, offerings are there that, that UPS puts out there to help those members of communities that, um, that are more diverse, help them find franchising or even educate them to the idea that franchising could be part of their life. They can own their business and own their lives. Um, we, we'll focus on a lot of different groups uh, in our advertising campaign. There's, there's, there's programs speso- uh, focused specific on women, um, minority groups, Military members, you know, uh, folks that have exited the military, veterans. Um, so, so it's it's really they find us. I mean, we're we have increased our presence on the web uh, two or three fold since I started. Uh, that was one of the things I noticed when I started. It's like, hey, you know, we we need to spend more so we show up in more places, and we've done that. And uh, working with some different agencies, we've. We've done a very good job of getting the store out there. Um, it's a strong brand. The brand is the is the number one attractant, right? But I can tell you, when you talk about diversity and the and the folks we see coming into training, um, you know, we can talk about training a little bit later. We have a very in depth training program, but for two weeks of the training, they spend it at our university here in San Diego. And since the first month I started in 2011. Every time a new training class would start, I would go look at the pictures on the wall. I would poke my head in the class and I would just look at folks. Um, And from even just eight and a half years ago till today, the way it's changed um, is just tremendous. More women franchise owners, more minority franchise owners. And what I like more today than what we saw even eight years ago is younger franchise owners. Um, One story, Stan, it was kind of funny. Uh, A few years ago, we had a young lady in in training. She was uh, an attorney, had just passed the bar, um, but wanted to become a franchisee and own her own business. And she was at training. And some of the things we go through, uh, my group will go through, if they haven't given us all their funds or anything, they would settle up you know, at training, paying for their training fees and that kind of thing. And so we said, we'll need a check in this amount. She didn't know how to write a check, Um, had never written a check. Obviously, of a generation that never had to write a check, everything was always electronic. That's really what what brought it home to me that we are, our groups are changing and they're changing in a great way. Not that any of our franchisees that came in as a you know, a 54-year-old couple getting ready to retire and wanting to start their own business. There's nothing wrong with those folks. We love them. But the fact that we are changing some of the dynamics of the people we're bringing into this business, um, it, it's exciting. And I think it it's just going to keep us going another 40 years and, and beyond that. So, so 
What is the smallest opportunity that one could aspire to if they wanted to come in as that 54-year-old husband and wife? Do you offer at the single unit level still, or is it multiples and grow, you know, even larger from there to, to larger organizations that might be non-owner operator? We have never offered three-pack, six-pack, 12-pack, um, anything like that. It's, it's usually at one unit at a time. Now, every prospect we talk to that comes in, they're like, hey, I want to own three, five, 10 units. And we're like, that's fantastic. Um, we want you to do that someday. What we want you to do right now, though, is focus on this one business. You've got one business. You can be the owner operator or you can hire folks. But we want you to to prove to yourself and to us that you can operate this one one business. And we don't have a lot of institutional buyers. We're not really seeking out institutional buyers. Um, it's a great business. People can make a living off of one store. Um if they want to grow their wealth, they can expand into multiple stores, either through new markets or uh, or transfers, you know, the resales. But typically just one. I mean, occasionally when you have a, a franchisee exiting the system that owns three or four stores, there may be a multi-unit owner that says, hey, I want to buy all four there. We don't hold them back. But we do do our due diligence to make sure that they are right to continue representing our brand, as any franchisor would or should Um you want to choose the best people you can possibly find to represent your brand. And so far, I think we've done a pretty good job of that. Our closures are at the lowest rate in history. Um, same store sales are just doing phenomenal the last few years. Uh, and, you know, it's easy to sit back and say that the staff here, the leadership uh, is, is, is doing that, but it's not. We're part of it, but it's at the grassroots level, the franchisees taking care of our customers taking care of their customers and continuing to grow this business. So um, we continue to hit new records every year and it's just a success. Um, I'm knocking on the wood right now here because you never know what happens with the economy in the coming years, but it's been going very, very well. And we're very pleased with everything from development to the operations, to the, uh, to the way the franchisees are representing our brand. Um, All positive all the way around. With 4,800 locations in the U.S., what's the cap? I mean, where are you at in terms of market size? Well, you know I'm a franchisor, Stan. I would never answer that question. Um, But let me answer it this way. Yeah, all of our stores do have protected territories. A lot of our traditional stores are in a grocery anchor shopping center. Uh, Where there's a competitor, we can't get into that shopping center. So obviously, we monitor those. If a competitor goes out, we want to get into those, those type of shopping centers. But just in the last few years, we created a new model. And I'm excited about this model because it's not new to franchising. Um, It's one of our non-traditional units. Um, So obviously, if you know the UPS store, we're in hotels, we're in convention Mm -hmm. centers, we're on military bases, we're in universities. We're not inside of other retailers, not until recently. So in 2016... I'm saying, well, this market's going to change at some point. At some point, they're going to stop building new shopping centers. Um, They're going to stop expanding. We've run out of green space at some point in the future. How else are we going to grow this business? Uh, So between me and and our non-traditional director, we got to come up with some way to keep this business growing. We're growing at about 120, 130 new stores every year. And I want that to continue. 
Um, so we started looking at how do we scale down our model to fit inside of another retailer. So we did that in 2016 and we didn't have it uh, papered in the FDD yet. Uh, we had a model similar to that, but it, we, we re-engineered it. We remodified it. We, we took the square footage down. Uh, we took certain things out of the store that didn't need to be in a store while still offering all the same products and services the UPS store does. In 2016, we put four units up inside of pharmacies, independent pharmacies. As of now, we've already, we've already got 52 up. Um, by next year, it's going to just start growing exponentially. Why? <clears throat> because these independent business owners, whether they own a hardware store, a grocery store, a pharmacy, a bank, um, some gas stations, the value that UPS can bring to that business with foot traffic and brand, it sells itself. I was at a, uh, I was at a trade show last week, uh, McKesson. Now, why is UPS at a McKesson drug trade show? Because of thousands and thousands of independent pharmacists come to that show. And I'm working behind the booth on that first day. We were never less than three or four people deep wanting to know why UPS store was there and, and what we were offering. And I, just from last week, I probably got six or seven applications um, that have come into the call center of folks that are interested in putting a store inside their pharmacy. We are so excited about this. This is going to be the next level of growth, I firmly believe, for our organization. We will never abandon our traditional model. We will continue to put stores everywhere we can where it makes sense. But this is going to allow for some exponential growth in the coming years. That's pretty exciting. And I'm just trying to think through that in my mind's eye. There has to be some more protection, I would think, where a pharmacy is close to an existing location. I think back to my old days at Blimpy, and we used to have you know, non-traditional locations. We'd have Blimpy locations and service stations up and down the interstate that might be within a few blocks away from a Main Street store in that community, but the people in the vehicle heading south on 75 weren't likely to get off the interstate and drive that extra mile into town. So there was really no com no competition there. We weren't really doing anything except helping to build the brand for the benefit of those Main Street locations that were blimpy as their business, not blimpy in your business, which is, I think, what you're describing with the drugstore. So how will that work? Um, it's very similar uh, to what we do on a traditional location. So the last thing a franchisor wants to do is put up locations that negatively impact other locations, right? Mm -hmm. So there's not a franchise fee that's worth negatively affecting the rest of your network. Um, and I firmly believe that. So, you know, we have those conversations with franchise owners sometimes say, hey, you put one kind of close. No, we did our due diligence. We work with GIS mapping and, uh, and data to determine impact, right? Number one, we'll never place a store inside of somebody's territory. Um, but more than that, you could have stores pretty close um, that could impact based on where the shipping customers are coming from, right? So we, we measure all that. And it's within a tolerance range um, that, again, is very conservative. Um, we'll go ahead and allow that store to be placed. And so far, so good. No negative effect on any franchisees. Um, and the amount of independent retailers that are out there, the ones we're working with, some very large retailers, a lot of independents, 
more than 50% of every study we've done, they are outside of our existing territories, some of them miles away from existing territories. So that's why I say this is a just a tremendous opportunity that we're looking forward to uh, just continue to to duplicate and validate. And we don't have to go out and push as hard as we did those first few years. We're getting applications coming in every day, four or five, six applications every day of somebody interested in putting a store in store inside their business. Some of them we say no to. You know, right. It's like, oh, we don't like the looks of that space. You don't take care of your brand. So how are you going to take care of our brand? Um and some of them are just too close or inside of territories. So we have to say, no, uh, we're not going to do that. Well, you talked about duplicate and validate. When we come back from our break, we're going to talk about innovate and get into this discussion about how you guys are lining up with veterans and helping to open another door of opportunity for those who may otherwise never have given themselves permission to believe that they could own their business and own their life. We're going to come back with that right after this break. Franchise Today will be right back, but first, a word from our sponsors. This portion of Franchise Today is brought to you by Zoracle, providers of spot-on profiles, the gold standard of assessment tools that assure you're selecting the right franchisees every time. Unlike DISC or others that simply gauge personality or communication styles, Zoracle's spot-on assessments are all franchise-specific and based upon seven sciences that nail the results each and every time. Your prospects simply answer a few questions online, and like magic, Zoracle's algorithms scientifically slice, dice, and analyze their thresholds for risk, their business acumen, and even their propensity for single or multi-unit ownership. Zoracle's spot-on analysis is like having a crystal ball. But there's no hoodoo here. It's all based upon science that flawlessly determines franchisee, franchisor compatibility, and accurately predicts performance. Why don't you schedule a demo today and take a complimentary look and see for yourself. It's the closest thing to a sure thing. Zoracle, spot on assessments, based on science, but delivering results that seem simply magical. Check them out at www.zoracleprofiles.com. Franchise Today is produced and presented each week by FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM and document management software designed specifically for franchising. FRM enables real-time business intelligence, communication, and collaboration between all members of the franchisor's team and their prospective and existing franchisees. This empowers your team to simply and seamlessly track, access, and manage all communication to and from prospective and existing franchisees, including texts. Legal and compliance is simplified, too, with FRM's document management, and even site visits can be digitally facilitated and scored using FRM. Make today the day you give FRM a look and assure that all of your candidate and franchisee correspondence, including texts, are being permanently tracked and archived in candidate and franchisee records. FRM even provides state-of-the-art digital experiences for your prospective franchisees, replacing old-style virtual brochures. There are no long-term contracts required. Multiple upgrades are offered each year at no additional cost. No excuses, just solutions on the web at frmsolutions.com. Appreciate you letting me 
take a break there and pay some bills, Chris. Um, thank you for your patience. Not a problem. So let's talk about this incredible program that somebody or a group of somebodies at the UPS store uh, thought sounded like a good idea and brought it into practice. Again, with 4,800 U.S. locations, you have an astounding number of 400 military-owned locations. Let's talk a little bit about that combination of military and reaching into um, a portion of the world where you're not just doing well, but you're doing good. Yeah, we're proud of that. Um, we, we got involved with VetFran uh, years ago, and I sit on the VetFran committee uh, with the IFA. And it, it's been very good, you know, through the VetFran program that we offer, we offer at a discount of roughly a third off the franchise fee on a normal basis. And veterans respond to that. Um, they've responded well. In a typical year, we'll put up We'll, we'll bring on seven to 10 uh, new veterans that open a new store with UPS. We don't track the ones that buy a transfer, not yet. Uh, resale stores, I'm sure there's a number of those. But the fact that we have almost 10% of our stores owned by veterans. That amazes me. Is really better than the U.S. population of veterans. At about 7.3% of the U.S. population is veterans. That is a proud number. It is. It is. And, and how do you put a value on veterans, Stan? I mean, the fact that somebody gave up a portion of their life, or in many cases, a large portion of their life to serve our country, um, it, it's difficult to put a value on that. Um, I didn't. You know, going back in time, maybe I, maybe I should have, or uh, maybe it, it would have been best. But at the same time, just a, a group of people in our country that need to be honored by by doing something. So how does this work? You've got a program that you announced earlier this year that is going to change the lives of some 10 people that are going to be able to ring the bell, I guess, in the criteria that are required by the program to to earn these uh, waived fees. Let's talk a little bit first about where this program came from. Whose idea was this? How was this thing even born? It was kind of a group of uh, of us that talked about what do we do to uh, honor our veterans? Can we do anything more than what we're doing today? So in 2012, we did something similar, uh, and I can come back to that, but it was time to do something again. I, do I need the additional prospects? I mean, as a franchisor, a development guy, I'll take them all day long. You, you understand that. Um but did we're generating a tremendous amount of leads every week, every month, um, and that's very good. But to take it a step further for our veterans, the conversation started last fall. It actually started around last Veterans Day, and we kicked it around. And, and by January, we said, you know, let's let's go ahead and move forward with something. Tim Davis, our president, former Marine, had an opportunity to be on a panel, a moderator panel with Carly Fiorina and, and, and others at the IFA. Mm -hmm. And uh, he announced it there. And just warm reception from the folks that were in the room and the folks on the panel. And unfortunately, he had to say, hey, let's keep it quiet. We're going to do this when we <laughs> when we uh, update the FDD at the end of April. So between myself, Tim, our VP of marketing and others, um, we decided now is a good time to do it. So it works like this. Qualifying veterans, if they want to open their own UPS store, qualifying means they have to have an honorable discharge, so a DD-214. Uh, we're going to run the program from May 1st 
until Veterans Day of 2019. We thought there was great bookends uh, to run this program on between Memorial Day and, and Veterans Day, basically. Sure. And if they qualify with the DD-214, then they obviously have to qualify through the interview process financially, all the normal things that come with it. But the attention we get uh, and the heightened awareness it brings not only to the brand, but to veterans looking to start their own business is really immeasurable. Um, We've already got four, uh, as of this morning, four funded people that have been approved to move forward. And, you know... I think we'll have all 10 in the next month or so. We may extend it. Uh, We may just extend it to 10 more. We don't know yet. Um, But the more we can help our veterans transition back into civilian life, for those that have that entrepreneurial spirit of wanting to start their own business, but not by themselves, um, it's just a, a great opportunity for them. Is there a time, is there a timeline from which they have to have returned from service to be eligible for the program? Nope. They could have got out yesterday with that DD-214 and apply today, and, and they're eligible. And what about if it was three, five, or 10 years ago that they came out of the service? As long as they were an honorably discharged veteran of the U.S. military, um, they would be eligible. So that helps answer one of the questions that's been lingering in my mind, Chris. Um, as I shared with you in the green room before we went live, back in blimpy days, way back in 1997, 98, I created an urban expansion initiative to try to help foster, uh, close the gap, if you will, between um, the diverse population of America represented by the census versus that that would be represented by business ownership. And the gap was huge. And I put a program together to try and bring more members of minority communities into franchising. And we did some similar things at Blimpy that you're proudly doing for veterans at UPS and finding ways to make the barriers to entry uh, more palatable. And so we found, too, though, that some of the financing issues, even with the waivers that we were providing, were a bit challenging and daunting. But in your case, I see a difference if you're letting somebody who may have been out for 8, 10, 15 years honorably discharged has already started acquiring some wealth or building some 401k strength and being able to find the necessary uh, infusion of capital that they still have to bring to the party. And that's an incredible thing that you're doing. I can't, I can't salute UPS stores enough for the thought behind this and that it's not just a short fuse of people that have been out in a short window of opportunity. Cause we both know that veterans coming out of service, might not initially have that kind of capital that's required that they still have to pony up, right? Sure. I mean, you run into those challenges with any prospect, right? Um, so they have to qualify that way. But there's multiple ways. It's it's actually a great time to um, to get a loan, uh, you know, very much like it was uh, before the recession. But I think it's a little safer now and there's not as much risk taking, but it's still you can get some very favorable rates. And by waiving up to $30,000, that's $30,000 in cash they don't have to come up with. Uh, we've lowered the application fee. You know, it's, it's, uh, it's $37.50 to apply. That's refundable if you can't find a site or can't obtain financing, uh, those type of things. But it's, uh, it's so far, so uh, it's going very, very well. Um, we don't run into a tremendous amount of challenge with these veterans. I don't see a lot of folks coming just out of the military. It's usually people that have been out a while 
maybe they've worked in the uh, uh, in the private sector and and they're just ready to do something different. But we look at the skill set uh, of some of the veterans coming in. Some of the things are just inherent with with leadership, the ability to follow a program, to follow the rules, uh, do things the way they're taught. There's just a, a, some inherent skills there and and attributes that you don't find in just anybody coming into a franchise. Oh, I believe that. In fact, I wonder, do you guys do any kind of tracking of productivity amongst those that were uh, of those 400 veteran owned stores? Are there any metrics that show their performance against others that might have come in at the same time but weren't veterans? We have in the past. We haven't uh, recently. Um, We try not to do that and really focus on... um, really, really focus on just the same store sales and the organization and the growth. But I can tell you the many veterans that I know on our website, we have quite a few videos of veterans talking about this business. And you can tell just by listening to them that they get it and they probably work harder than, than many other folks, never taking anything away from franchisees because they all work hard, but the veterans just really seem to get it. And uh, it's just like, they adapt to whatever the changing market conditions, you know, they, they overcome obstacles and they keep pressing forward. Uh, but in terms of, we, we don't evaluate those type of things um, in terms of how they're progressing. The waivers don't change the process of application, right? So what does it look like for somebody who's trying to become a UPS store franchisee? Well, it all starts with our, you know, just a short form on our website. You can either call, we'll walk you through it or, then get on the upsstorefranchise.com and apply or just fill out the short form with a name, email address, and phone number. And we'll get a hold of those folks. Uh, we, we get about 25, 26,000 leads per month. So you, you get a lot of tire kickers, you know, um, out there. So you really got to sift through, uh, sift through a lot of those folks. But it, it really depends on how fast that person wants to move. So, you know, we'll interview them as quickly as we can, as quickly as they complete an application. And then you got, obviously, the mandatory disclosure period uh, before you can do anything else. But if if they pass an interview and an executive interview and they're ready to put down money to, to move to the next step, then that's great. Um, they could have a store open in, in three to six months if they work the process quickly. Obviously, you, you got the mandatory waiting period. Then you go into financing and site selection. And those type of things, they have to go through training. Uh, training by itself is a five-week training program. So, and then construction of a center, all these things you're familiar with, um, negotiating a lease and, and, you know, landlords don't typically move as quick as we'd like them to move sometimes. But yeah, it's it, the process, it really isn't any different other than they get no franchise fees, which means they don't have to get as much of a loan. Um very pleased with the way uh, our process works. Obviously, there's always things you can improve in a process, uh, constantly trying to do that. But for veterans, it works the same. Even under this program, it works the same. But we do flag them. You know, for these veterans that are coming in, especially under this program, uh, we're trying to pay very close attention uh, to make sure we get back to them right away. You know as well as I do that, that time sometimes kills opportunities uh, so we we try to be as proactive as we can, respond as quickly as we can. And the first question under this program of the veterans, do I qualify? Did I get one of the slots? 
It's like, well, if you get funded and you get approved, um, yes, you'll get one of those slots. So unfortunately, you know, we've had to tell some people no that came in um, in January, for example, and, and they said, I want this. And like, what well, wasn't offered under that FDD. So uh, those have been some tough conversations sometime, but they understand. They get it. It hasn't really slowed any of them down. Well, I think you guys are just to be saluted and commended for what you're doing. I want you to tell us a little bit about the training as well, because, you know, five weeks is um, probably the longest training period of any brand I'm really familiar with um, at the retail or food service level. But then on the other hand, I think five weeks in San Diego, life could be a lot worse than that, right? Well, not all five weeks get to be in San Diego. Two weeks. Ah, there you go. I see. I knew it. <laughs> to get to be true. <laughs> it's pretty intense. And you know, I think that when the, the, the person, the, the, just the public is thinking about the UPS store, it's like, how difficult is it uh, to operate that business? It's a lot more in depth than people realize. So you got, you know, laws you have to adhere to from a, uh, from the postal regulations to the UPS tariff, uh, hazmat, notary services, all those type of things that people don't think about that seem simple that have to be trained and certified and, and know exactly what to do and all those things. So the training really starts out once somebody is ready to start moving forward. The training consists of a 48-hour WBT training. That's at their own time. They can do it in a week if they want. They can spread it out over time and do it slower. Um after that is completed and we've certified that they have completed the WBT training, we send them to something called ISE-1 in-center in-store training, in-store experience is what it's called, where we will put them with a certified training center. And that certified training center will work with that prospect before they ever are a franchisee and show them how to operate the business, right? Their, their, their first week may be focused on a, a certain set of of tasks and responsibilities in a store. After they finish that week of training, then they can schedule for university business course, the university training out here in San Diego. And this is intense out here. So it's uh, two weeks. They're away from home. Um, they spend all day in a classroom going everything from the the tariff introduction to hazmat training to a POS to QuickBooks everything that they need to learn to operate a small business. That's the first week. And then the second week is all print. Uh, we focus heavily on print. We're not even, um, I don't think we're touching the potential of what the print industry is out there as a network. We know there's just a tremendous upside for people that really embrace it and learn how to be printers and hire graphic artists to do things for small businesses um, so one week is very intense on print. When they finish the training here, we send them back to their home state. And again, they go back into another week of in-store experience too, uh, where they learn something else from that certified training center. And by the time they finish the five weeks, um, they get in all the training that we give them formally and then they're ready to open the doors to their business. Hopefully by that time, construction has started and they're just a few weeks away from opening their center. But uh, there's, there's no education like once you open the doors that first day, I can tell you. That. Oh, I'm sure. And how, how do you guys treat that? Are you on site over their shoulders yes, for are. the first week or two? Our franchise consultants are there during the opening day. 
um, and our franchise consultants, uh, employees of ours, or a network of area franchisees we have that have support staff that, that works with our franchisees. Uh, they're with them. They try to be with them as long as they need to be with them those first several days, for sure. They're checking back with them frequently. And then ongoing support and training. Obviously, there's a lot of training we push out uh, from the corporation of things they need to stay up on. Uh, or a new corporate retail solutions client that's coming on board, those type of things. But then beyond that, we support them minimum once a quarter. We're in there talking about their business. Uh, we talk about compliance, right? That's always important. But we want it to be focused on how do we help you continue to grow your business? Um, you've got to grow the business. It's a small business. They've got a targeted time to break even, Stan, as, as any small business owner does. So sure. you want to help accelerate that timeline as much as you can by getting them out of their store. Get them get them out from behind the counter and knocking on doors uh, so that all the other businesses in the area knows the capabilities of the UPS store and how they can help them. You know, this has been a terrific eye-opening opportunity for me to learn so much more than I ever thought I could about UPS stores. I, I do business in UPS stores. If there's one thing you've said that I would validate from my own experience, it's how many moving parts there are. I can go, I can go to the UPS store for so many different things, and I see people doing things in the UPS store, as you've indicated, with some cameras and commercial type of printing that, you know, it just, it's endless. It's, there are tons of moving parts inside of 1,200 square feet. And so I guess that training is a lifelong process. And I'm sure there's probably even recertification and further training. Absolutely. Uh, down the road. Chris, I asked you a whole lot about a, a ton of things. Is there anything before we wrap up and I ask you to help the audience know how to find you again? Um, anything that I should have asked you that I didn't or that you wished I did? Um, not really. I mean, there's, we're pretty proud of the way this business is growing. Um, I started with the company in, in January of 2011, um, not knowing a lot about franchising, you know, drinking from the fire hose, talking to franchisees, talking to other franchisors, being at the IFA events. So I got a big dose of it uh, for those first several months here. But I'll tell you, since I got here and, and looking at where we were then to where we are now, we last week we just hit the thousandth new store since I've been here. And man, I tell you, I cannot take credit for that. I'm proud of that fact. That was kind of a personal goal of mine to get to that thousandth store since I've been here. But our area franchisees um, and their support staff, their salespeople, my team of sales folks, everybody from the call center uh, to the, my other staff members that help with, with whether it's lead gen or help getting MCOs qualified and approved, our, our financing group, um, I can't give enough credit to all the folks that help continue to grow this business. And we're pretty proud of that fact. So a thousand stores in eight years, not good enough for me. I think we want to do more uh, in the next eight years, much more. And I think we're in a good position to do so. For folks that are interested, just want to learn a little bit about the UPS store. It's www.theupsstorefranchise.com. And you'll find out just a tremendous amount about our store. We're, we're ranked very high in the top five for the last four or three years on the Entrepreneur Franchise 500. We're very proud of that fact. And I'm gunning for those big guys. Um, I want to get to that number one spot. And that's done just through 
all the things we do today, continuing the growth rate, keeping the closures down, having a business that just validates itself over and over again uh, by additional and new owners coming into this business. So I said a lot when I said there was nothing for else for you to ask me, but uh, we're pretty proud of this business. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, the thing I think that it's the greatest takeaway from this interview for me is your passion and your commitment and your belief in your product. And literally, um, for those who tune in, you know, there's a lot of information shared. But the one thing, Chris, that I believe keeps people coming back and learning more on Franchise Today each week is the passion that our guests bring to the conversation. And that's what people remember. They remember how you make them feel. And when you've got passion like yours, uh, the transparency is is there. You know, there's nothing that you won't share willingly to help somebody improve their life and for you to help improve your brand with bringing the right people to it. So I appreciate you being here. I truly appreciate your contribution to VetFran, to the IFA, and to veterans around the world who can participate in a program like this because a company like yours uh, realized it was important and not just thought about it, but did something about it. Chris, thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you, Stan. I certainly appreciate it. And that wraps it for another episode of Franchise Today. We'll be back again same time next week. Until then, I'm Stan Friedman wishing you the best, the very best of all things franchising. And Franchise Today is out. Franchise Today is a production of FRM Solutions, providing best-in-class CRM tools to empower relationships with prospective and existing franchisees. No excuses, just solutions. Find them online at frmsolutions.com. Join Stan every Wednesday at noon Eastern for another live episode of Franchise Today. Or, as always, download episodes on demand at blogtalkradio.com or iTunes. 